Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the It Feels Like Magic podcast, the podcast where I experience four kids' winks for the very first time. I'm Rosie Vision, and I like to make YouTube videos about the stuff I grew up loving, which ends up being winks content more often than not. Today we'll be going over episodes 21 and 22 of season 1, The Frozen Palace and Mission to Cloud Tower. Let's get into it, shall we? Watch the dub and open my mind. Believe in four kids. Time to unwind. Can it be true? Let's wait and see if four kids stuff can do everything amazing. Rewatching wings, rewatching wings, come join the fun. Rewatching wings, rewatching wings, rewatching wings. Let's have some fun. Episode 21, The Frozen Palace Last time we left off, the Winks were journeying to Sparks in order to try to find Bloom's lost powers. And in the process, Bloom got separated from everyone else and fell into a chasm. And surprise, surprise, guys! Bloom survives, all thanks to the power of fashion, according to the 4Kids version anyways. Bloom finds herself within the castle walls of Sparks and starts recognizing things. And shortly afterward, she is reunited with the Winks. But then they start getting chased by a bunch of ice creatures. But then the specialists crash the party and end up saving the day. Sort of. They work together and are able to beat the elements, but alas, they still do not have the answer to solving Bloom's problem. And that's everything you need to know about the episode, so let's talk about it, shall we? Uh, first things first, we got a little bit of a lore uh, nugget of information here. Stella uses a spell to defrost the castle, I think it was. And when she does this, we learn that apparently in the 4Kids version, Solaria although very rarely, does have extreme winters. And this is not the first time that Stella has had to use her powers to defrost something. Only in those instances, she had to defrost actual people, which I'm pretty sure is vastly different from the lore in the original version of the series, because I remember in season three, spoilers, <laughs> um, when Valtor takes over... Oh, he doesn't take over. He takes the power of Solaria, so then everything is just put out of whack. And because of that, it starts raining in Solaria. And Stella says that it's never rained in Solaria before, so this is like catastrophic. So there definitely is <laughs> some um, inconsistency there. However, I think it would be kind of cool if every once in a while Solaria had extremely cold weather to kind of balance out the um, way that their weather works. But yeah, just the more you know, I guess. I have mentioned this before, but I absolutely love whenever whoever's in charge of the music uses variations of the main 4Kids theme. There was a slower and, uh, I guess you could say sad, I don't know if I'd call it that, but a slower version of the theme that was used when Bloom was in the palace and she was starting to recognize everything, and I just thought that it was really cute, and I liked it. 
Speaking of which, Bloom once again has a really great crying scene. I kind of harped on her a bit, I think in the last episode, because she had a scene where she was breaking down to Farragonda, and the voice uh, actor actually did a really, really good job at the start, but then the performance was completely flubbed when they just gave the character a awful line that didn't even fit with the timing. And I thought it was really wasted potential, but here I didn't feel that way. The crying that she did mid-sentence was actually really believable and just kudos. I think <laughs> that it was really a well done. And her reason for crying also made a lot of sense too. She felt super guilty after learning the truth of her origins and realizing that after all that everything did in order to try to protect the dragon fire, thanks to her, it's now gone and she couldn't do anything about it. And I can't remember how similar the dialogue is in the original, but um, just going off of what we have here, I thought it was a really well handled scene. So props to four kids. <laughs> but um, they definitely do their four kidsness and add in some cheesy lines on top of it. When Daphne reveals herself to the Winks, all you see is a blinding, piercing light in her silhouette. And the first thing that's said is, that's a great outfit <laughs> from Stella, which was said almost kind of monotone, I guess. Just because of when it was said, it felt completely out of place. Even though we all know Stella's obsessed with things like that, but for that to be the first thing you say when there's a heavenly light shining down upon you is kind of funny. Um, speaking of this scene though, I'm a little bit confused. I'm under the impression that Daphne isn't Bloom's sister in this version. They never outright confirmed it, I think, but when Daphne was talking to Bloom, she says something to the lines of, the king called on me to protect you, and that really doesn't sound like something that uh, she would say if she were Bloom's sister. Like, why would she feel like she was obligated to help her, and why would she call her own father the king and just leave it at that? So I'm really confused on that. I can't remember if it was confirmed or not that Daphne was her sister in this version before. But it's not seeming likely in this episode, at least, which I'm not sure why they would cut that. And if that is the case, that is definitely going to cause problems later down the road. Speaking of funny four kids lines, so uh, this episode was just chock full of them. Not that they haven't been present before, but I feel like it was really turned up to 11 in this episode in particular. It felt almost akin to how superhero shows and movies and comics and that sort of thing have banter back and forth and uh, funny lines, I guess you'd call them. A bit subjective, though, uh, between the villains and superheroes. And it was all one way because it was just the winks against uh, monsters who couldn't talk. But there was tons of that. And normally, I don't like that sort of thing. I've only seen a little bit of Miraculous Ladybug, but I really wanted to like it more than I did when it first came out. And a part of the reason why I wasn't able to fully latch onto it was because of how heavy they went with those stupid cheesy lines. 
And I know it was because it was trying to pay homage to Western comic culture and that sort of thing, but it just got under my skin and made me feel uncomfortable. However, I did not feel that way while watching this version of Lynx Club, so hooray for that. I'll give you one example, I guess. The Winks are fighting against um, ice crab creatures. And Stella says, Let's make crab cakes. I know a great recipe. Let's get cooking, girls. Which, uh, me just saying it, probably does evoke the same feelings I was complaining about. But in context, within the show and everything that Forkins has built it up to be, it felt natural and just made me laugh. So, that was nice. Oh, another line from Stella that I found funny is uh, in the middle of the same fight, she says, the only kind of ice I like is the kind you can wear. And uh, I'm not one who's really super up to date with, I forget the uh, proper term, I only know the colloquial one, but I'm not super up to date with slang and uh, different types of lingo and that sort of thing, but I only recently learned what ice means in that context. So I was really surprised to hear it because this show is now, God, isn't it like 15, almost 20 years old, I think? So I didn't know that that was a Zang for so long. I'm assuming, based on where I heard it from, that it came from hip-hop culture. So I guess that makes sense. But yeah, the more you know, that usage of the word ice is older than some fans that probably watch the show. <laughs> oh, and I don't talk about Techno too much in these episodes, but she had some lines that really made me laugh a lot in this episode. For example, my personal favorite was after she defeated a monster, she says, off they go to the great recycling bin in the sky. <laughs> Which is super stupid, but... When Techno says it, it's hilarious because of just how engrossed she is in her character. <laughs> oh, speaking of scenes that absolutely cracked me up, this scene like came out of completely nowhere, and I absolutely loved it. So it's in the exact same fight. There is so much that goes on in this fight, not only with funny lines, but also within the show itself. There's lots of cool spells, one of which is the one I'm about to describe now. Flora, out of nowhere, says to Musa, You know any jazz? <laughs> and then Musa obliges and starts playing a jazzy tune and jamming out on her flute. And Flora explains the reason why she just suddenly asked this question is that pterodactyl ivy loves jazz. It makes it fierce and improvisational. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to pause the show because of how much I was laughing. Combined with the out of nowhere, do you like jazz? Hearing the jazzy flute go off, and then hearing Flora talk about how her plants like to boogie and using it to kill creatures was all just too much for me to bear without uh, laughing a whole bunch. So I recommend you check it out if you haven't <laughs> seen the episode before, or if it's been a while, because it is a funny one. And then, <laughs> to add on to that same kind of uh, feeling, there was a very similar scene not too long after that, that was very clearly 
um, put in by four kids because it doesn't fit with the original animation that we see. Muse is off by herself fighting, and then similar to Flora, she spouts, hope you like rap, and then she just starts busting out a verse out of nowhere as she is cornered, and it looks like this might be it for her. And there's a backing track that goes along with it this time as compared to her amazing omelet rap before. And this time, I guess they took it a little more seriously. Um, the lyrics, I don't remember them. I don't think they were anything extraordinary, but I actually legitimately liked the backing beat that they put in for her rap, which was, I mean, is it surprising? I like Four Kids' music, but it didn't feel like Four Kids to me for some reason. So maybe they sampled something. I don't know, but I liked how it sounded and it was just really funny. We're going to fast forward a little bit now to when the specialists arrive to help out the Winks. When the specialists arrive, the Yeti returns and is absolutely ginormous and the specialists aren't able to scratch him like at all. And it seems really hopeless. So rightfully so, Timmy's worried and shouts, how are we going to beat this guy? Excuse the Mickey Mouse sounding voice, but that is indeed what he sounds like. And then the response to that from Stella would be, don't worry, boys. We're here. We'll save you. <laughs> Which totally brought me back to the days of me watching Sailor Moon for the first time when I was young, because it was a really girl power show, but in a way that, at least to my kids' self, was really digestible. But it was still really on the nose sometimes with just how useless they made Tuxedo Mask in order to make the girls seem like really really um just capable i guess but i felt like they didn't need to do that they already felt that way without bringing down tuxedo mask and i felt like there was similar energy here where the specialists were absolutely just unnecessary and not able to help at all with what they were given in the show and obviously the winks are able to handle it and for Stella to comment on it out loud, <laughs> just rub salt on the wound and was comedic gold. Just about done with this episode, there were a few more things I noticed that were funny. I guess I can rattle off some of them real quick. There's a scene where the monsters start eating one of Flora's vines and Musa says, maybe that means they're vegetarian. Uh, and then later on, Flora says that these extractor seeds will take them out like a bad blackhead. And then, uh, last one, I guess. We're speedrunning here. Stella says after a really good shot, Monster Booty has been kicked. Which, I said this, I think, in the last episode, but a lot of these lines really do sound like something that you'd hear kids on a playground say. <laughs> Which is just super funny to hear. Almost. Uh, young adults at this point spouting off things that you'd hear like a six-year-old say super seriously but when you hear it it just sounds ridiculous but in a good way I guess and really the last thing I have to say is also a funny line this is when Sky and Bloom are trying to patch up their relationship because she just found out the truth about his identity and after they make up, 
She says that Prince Sky is too formal for her, so can I call you something else? And I had no idea <laughs> where this was gonna go. I thought maybe she was just gonna say, oh, well, just Sky, maybe, or maybe a cute nickname or something like that. But no, I was completely wrong. <laughs> she says, can I call you something else? How about baby? Which isn't that weird, but coming from a four kids perspective, it does feel really out of left field because of just how much they kind of, for lack of a better word, baby their audiences. And then Sky's response to that was super hilarious because it still has that like really juvenile feel to it. He says, that's cool, baby. But he doesn't say it how a normal person would say it. He says it more like a preschool teacher or like an excited camp counselor would say it. And it does not feel like the way that it was supposed to be taken, if this were real life at least. So we ended out the episode on a laugh, which I am fine with. So after a quick transition, let's go into the next episode. We are the episode 22, Mission to Cloud Tower. The Winks return empty-handed to Althea, but now they have a neo-game plan. Blim creates a group with the specialists in order to break into Cloud Tower, but while they're gone, Althea is under attack once more. And during all this craziness, Riven is able to escape from his prison. After the Winks get lost within secret tunnels that lead into Cloud Tower, they are reunited with Riven and continue their journey into Cloud Tower. A little bit of a short explanation this time around, but really that's all you need to know. So let's get into the episode, shall we? Similar to how we ended off on a funny line last time, this one starts off funny right off the bat. Right as the episode starts, Stella's complaining. I really think it's tacky to come back empty-handed from a trip. I know we didn't find the dragon fire, but we should have at least picked up some t-shirts or something. And then Bloom has an appropriate response to that and says, I really don't think anyone expects souvenirs from a dead planet, Stella. <laughs> and this exchange between the two was hilarious to me and started things off on a really good note. Even though we're in like a really serious part of the show, this is probably the most stressful that things ever get in Winx Club. There were still tons of funny lines that four kids threw in, but I don't think it took away from anything. For example, not long after that uh, opening monologue, I guess we could call it, we have a funny line from Ferragondo, which I don't know if that's happened before, <laughs> but apologizing because he felt like he really smelled because he's been battling a lot, to which Ferragondo responds, it's fine. We have bigger problems than OBO right now. <laughs> and I'm assuming OBO stands for Ogre Body Odor, which is not a word I thought I'd ever hear in my life. Fast forwarding a little bit, Bloom is explaining her plan to break into Cloud Tower to everyone. And then, uh, God, I forget his name, but oh, Saladin. 
Saladin explains to the specialist that this is Bloom's plan, and she is going to be in charge and lead everyone. And then right after that, Brandon has like the most surprised and upset look on his face ever and goes like, whoa, and we don't get anything added on to that. We have no idea why he reacted that way. I'm assuming, well, I don't know. It felt like it was because what? A girl leading us? And then on top of that, she didn't have her powers at the time. And we never really truly get to know why he reacted that way. It was super funny, though, especially in contrast to Skye, who's actually giving an appropriate reaction and is worried because Bloom doesn't have her powers at this point. And yeah, that that is something to be concerned about. Whereas with Brandon, I have no idea what he was thinking, but it was hilarious. Adding on to the boys versus girls narrative that we kind of got going, not in the grown-up way with uh, really depressing repercussions and stuff like that, but more so, like, once again, on the playgrounds, like kindergartners, I was a part of it too once long ago. We get the Winks being super upset that they weren't chosen to go on the mission, and... Yeah, I can understand why they were upset. The specialists were kind of useless in the last battle. And I do like the specialists and think it was fun to see Gloom team up with them because it was a different dynamic, but I can see why they were upset. And they express this anger by saying, Come on, the boys. They can't protect you like us. Uh, Musa says this, by the way, and honestly, (laughs) kind of true. I think the specialists are at times really wasted potential because I actually think they're really cool. The fact that we get these almost like fairy tale heroes, but with sci-fi-esque technology fighting alongside mythical creatures like fairies and ogres against witches is a super cool concept. And their high-tech um, weapons along with the training that they receive makes a really interesting combination. And sometimes the show pulls it off really well, and other times, not so much, as we saw in the last episode. So it's understandable why, whether it be the Winks or the audience, that someone would think that they're kind of just useless. But I really do think that they have a lot of potential. And we did get to see a little bit of that in this episode, luckily. When Bloom is saying goodbye to the girls, there was something that also took me completely off guard. Tecna is crying for the first time, which is like a really sweet and emotional scene in the original. And it did start off that way for the four kids version, but then as usual, it just kind of ended up in laughter because Tecna explains why she's crying. And in her words, not mine, She says she's crying because Bloom's chances of survival are so impossibly low, (laughs) which is basically sentencing Bloom to death at this point, like inevitable, (laughs) which was really funny, especially since 4Kids loves to censor the idea of death. That's why we have the Shadow Realm in Yu-Gi-Oh! So hearing her basically say, tough luck, you're probably gonna die, I'll miss you, peace, (laughs) was... Really funny. And a quick thing that was added, uh, 4Kids likes to just 
put things in randomly that weren't there before. In this case, it was the Winx saying they're going to do a protection spell for Bloom because they're worried about her. This scene literally lasts only like five seconds, but I thought I'd mention it because I thought it was cute. But we have even more funny lines coming here. We cut back to Riven, who's in his prison, and he's practicing what to say to Darcy, who he just broke up with. And he mumbles to himself, You follow Icy like a wannabe. Nah, that won't work. (laughs) And I really liked Riven in this episode. He was actually super duper likable. I can't exactly place what exactly changed here. He um, was at first just trying to practice what to say to Darcy, like he really wanted to get back with her. But throughout the episode, we see that he does realize that, man, I really messed up. And he just is really funny this episode. He's nice and is just really charming. (laughs) And I did not see that one coming. I do really like his character. Obviously not when he's a total butthead for no reason whatsoever. I have talked about his arc many times on multiple videos of mine. Uh, Long story short, I can understand why people don't like him. His relationship with Musa wasn't really that healthy. And he seemingly never learns from his mistakes. However, I do think that he had a great potential as a character, and a lot of his downfall just had to do with writers, because his character arc was supposed to be in this moment of the episode, which is also something I'd like to talk about. Um, Now to be a little bit negative, I guess. As I thought, they completely cut Riven's scene where he's being messed with by the tricks. And I totally saw that coming. I knew it was going to be the case, but I was still super bummed when it happened. I went over this part in great detail in the first part of my Darkest Moments of Winx Club video because it's honestly one of the scenes that sticks with me the most out of the entire series, which is saying something considering there's like eight seasons and several movies. As a quick recap, for those of you who either don't know, because maybe you never saw the first few seasons, you're a Forkis only watcher, or maybe you just don't remember, what happens is that the tricks are just being ruthless and decide that they want to mess with Riven a bit just for fun. So they get inside his head. He is off on his own in prison and is feeling just awful because of what happened. He feels completely closed off from everyone. He tried to reach out to the tricks because he felt like his real friend stabbed him in the back. And then the tricks stabbed him in the back. And the only friends that he actually had probably hate him because of what he did. And he's just a complete wreck right now. And then the tricks start giving him visions of a monster. The monster has a really uncanny design. It looks almost like a swamp creature, I guess, and has red eyes and really scary jagged teeth with a huge mouth. And the creature doesn't uh, attack him or anything, at least outright. What it does instead is that it mimics his movements in a really uncanny way. And this starts to really get to Riven because he feels like he himself is a monster right now. So he slowly gets more and more just 
unnerved by what's going on and the monster even splits itself up and starts making copies of itself and surrounding him. And the scene concludes with Riven saying, I'm not a monster and looking it dead in the eyes. I may have wronged my friends, but I still have a heart. I'm paraphrasing a bit here because it has been a while, but this scene is honestly one of my favorite scenes that I've ever seen from anything. I think it was a really, really cleverly done way to show just how torn up inside Riven was as a character and how, yeah, he does mess up. He is awful sometimes. But at the end of the day, he is still just a person who is learning from his mistakes and he can own up to them. And seeing the tricks completely take advantage of him like that, almost to the point of insanity, really goes to show just how evil and not in their right mind they were at the time. And the scene is super unsettling and just really mature, which is not something that is typically associated with shows like this. And this was supposed to be the start of Riven becoming a new man, essentially. He was awful before. He had this whole like complex where he thinks the whole world is against him and that he can't trust anybody. And whenever he feels insecure about feeling like an outcast, he lashes out at people, which uh, I don't think that we should forgive people just because we understand where they're coming from, but it is important to keep in mind. So at this point, we know what's going on with his psyche, and we know that he knows he messed up. And it's at this point when he's at his lowest that he picks himself back up, escapes from his prison, and then he reunites with the Winkson specialist and apologizes humbly for what he did and tries to make it up in the best way that he can. And that would have been an amazing character arc if it had actually been followed through properly. But unfortunately, for whatever reason, the writers just kept on throwing stones at him over and over and over again, making him go back to his old ways. But you know, yeah, in real life, it's not so easy to change. You can have relapses. But even then, it's still just didn't feel right. And even if it were more realistic, it wasn't satisfying, which is kind of important for a fictional story, even if it's not 100% accurate. So I'm really upset with what happened with Riven. I felt like he had tons of potential as a character. It's fine if you don't like him. That's understandable, especially with the way that his character was handled. And honestly, if I knew someone like Riven, there's a chance I might not like them either because fiction and reality are two very different things. When we're watching a show, we're doing it from an outside perspective. We're looking down on everything, so it's easier to be objective and just empathize. And that's part of the reason why I really like media. And <laughs> yeah, Reuven's character was just done completely dirty. I'll stop with my tangent here, but it's a real shame that that scene was cut out from four kids. I knew they would because it was a bit too heavy and I guess the imagery was too much for them or something. Yeah, just really sad that they cut it. I still think they did a really good job with Riven's character this episode. Like I said, he was super enjoyable to see, but it was a big bummer that they cut out that scene. Not to bag on Riven too much, but 
It's not me doing it, it's four kids. On top of cutting out that scene, when he picks the lock to escape his prison, for some reason they couldn't just let him do it by himself. They had to have Headmistress Griffin do a Houdinus spell in order to help him, and that just felt like throwing vinegar, lemon juice, or whatever other acidic liquid you want to use onto the wound of just doing his character dirty. I don't know why they couldn't just let him have that one thing. But during the scene where he's talking with Headmistress Griffin, I actually really liked what was going on there. Once again, four kids added a bunch of just tiny droplets of lore here and there. The lock that was holding Headmistress Griffin was an heirloom of Icy's family, which is immune to spells. So she was trying to use her own family's secret magic brew in order to counteract it, which is definitely different from the original, but it kind of adds this mystique to it. The fact that the witches have family secrets and weapons and stuff like that, that's really cool and sounds like something that'd be interesting to see explored more. And then when Riven runs off after talking to Headmistress Griffin, the way she's able to convince him is because he's being chased by bio-sentries. She says, you'll rot if you touch them, which sounds new to me. I can't quite remember, but that is a really grotesque way to go, which surprised me for four kids. Uh, speaking of the specialists, though, for some reason, they kept on rattling off lessons they've learned in class, which is not something that they do that often in the original show. First, I thought it was kind of weird, but it was also kind of endearing, honestly, since they aren't given too much to do most of the time. And it's nice to see like, hey, they're actually learning stuff and using it. They're not useless guys. My favorite was when Skye was like kind of nerding out on how Riven was able to escape. And then Riven explains himself. He says he used what he learned in strategies and battle class, chapter nine in particular. And then, as we're shown a montage of him escaping, you see him, like, fall after jumping out of a tower, and he, um, explains, Luckily, I remembered how to use my cape for aerodynamic gliding from Survival 101 freshman year. Man, that was a mouthful. <laughs> it was so overly complicated that it was hilarious, especially because of the fact that it was clearly kind of added in to make it seem like he knew what he was doing. He can jump out a window, but you shouldn't because you don't have a cape like he does. But <laughs> somehow I don't think capes are able to do that considering what we've seen in The Incredibles. <laughs> but this scene was actually really endearing. This is when Riven opens up to the Winks and Specialists and apologizes and Sky says how he thought originally that Riven was kind of like a slacker, but then he says that Riven's probably the best student at school because of how impressed he was on how Riven was able to apply what he learned to his escape and survival, which was just super sweet and just made me want to let out an audible aww. I really, really loved seeing the bond between the specialists and the series, and I kind of wish that we got to see more of it, because it just disappeared and didn't show up that often. We need more of it. There are a few other things I wrote down. 
uh, like Icy called Bloom a powerless dork you. <laughs> Stella wanted to take things slow with Brandon after what happened. Uh, Riven rides roaches like a wild bull and says, yee-haw. <laughs> but for the most part, I think that's uh, everything. So, yeah. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, then please give the podcast a follow wherever you're listening so you don't miss any future episodes. Once again, this was a lot of fun. There were so many funny lines this time around. Next time, we'll be looking at episode 23 and 24, so stay tuned, and don't forget to keep a little magic in your life. <laughs>